learning how to build links can sometimes feel like peeling an onion. The more you peel back, the more layers you discover. And at the very center of our onion are the highest quality, most hard to get, most difficult to build links. I'm talking about DR70, 80, and 90 plus links on super relevant, high quality sites. There just aren't that many people that know how to build these links. And there are even fewer people that are willing to share that information publicly online. Fortunately today though, I have two veteran link builders with me, Eric Carell and Sebastian Schaefer from dofollow.io. They actually met in the Authority Hacker Pro community about seven years ago, and they've been running a successful link building agency ever since. And for this episode of the Authority Hacker podcast, they've actually built a number of super high quality links to our website. So I'm going to be sharing those with you and we're going to break down exactly how they built them step by step so that you can learn how to build these types of links in your business too. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Okay, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast, Eric and Sebastian. And I'm very happy to be the one that's able to ask this today instead of being asked this, but how's it going? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, doing well here. It's a little rainy out today, but overall doing very well. Yeah, spring is coming, so we're optimistic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always good to be positive about the weather, especially uh, living in Scotland. We don't, don't have much weather to be positive about, but that's <laughs> not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about super high quality links, which is basically like your guys' speciality now, right? Yeah, that's what we specialize in. Definitely quality over quantity, shooting for sort of the, the links on the higher end of the spectrum of the internet. So recently, you guys have built some links for us, and we sort of agreed to do a bit of a promo to our audience if we were happy with them. And I think it's it's fair to say that we've been pretty happy with what you've done. So over the last two months or so, you built eight links from DR71 to 93. And I think the first thing people will want to know is like, how the hell do you build a DR93 link on HubSpot? The approach that we take is really we focus around relationship building you know like we've done we've had to tear down our agency before because we were like too heavily reliant on one tactic we've had to kind of completely that was when we're back when we're doing like skyscraper focus outreach but being an agency and being a, a paper performance agency you know it's important that we have some sort of predictability in how we're building links so you know we focused a lot on shifting from that to shifting to to building relationships sebastian sometimes says that we're like a, we're not even a link building agency that we're a networking agency and i think that that's a, an interesting approach to or an interesting way to think about it but you know for the the hubspot link for example we utilize the hack out of linkedin which i think that a lot of people don't do basically we found um we went to linkedin we found the person who was the on the seo team and we basically thought okay like how can we incentivize this person in a way that is it's going to be meaningful for them. So basically for them, for that particular link, we reached out to them and we offered them to build a link for HubSpot in exchange for them linking to, to you guys. We build these relationships so that we can kind of leverage them when we need them. And we, so we can kind of continuously build links for those people. And 
the incentive for that particular person is that we build a really good link for them and then they get to like go show their boss that they like, you know, built this good link and they're part of the SEO team. So they get to take credit for the link that we built. But then we can, since we have that relationship, we can go back and, and sort of continuously build links for them, keep them happy. And that's what incentivizes the person on the SEO team. Let's just unpack that a little bit because there's quite a few moving parts there. And I think if sure. someone listening to this is trying to replicate that, they might think, well, when you go to LinkedIn, what do you do? Do you go and look for people on the SEO team or is there specific job titles you're looking for there? And you know, once you find those people, how do you, do you message them? Do you add them as a contact? How do you start talking to them? Yeah, we shifted from me because usually, I mean, we used to, we still do to some extent, just use like hunter.io or Stavio or something like that to like pull an email address and just kind of like fire off emails. People get link building type emails all the time. And so over time, they just don't really have the same effect. But if you go to LinkedIn, you can kind of search through the roster of the people who, who list LinkedIn as the company that they work for, figure out who would be the best people to reach out to. So we usually gather like multiple people, people from the SEO team, maybe a content strategist, maybe writers or something like that. Then you kind of have like your little list of people that you want to reach out to. And then the great thing about LinkedIn is as opposed to email is LinkedIn really gives you all sorts of stuff that you can utilize to reach out to these people. So where they're from, where they went to school, what their jobs were, if you have mutual connections, and we just find a unique angle to reach out to those people. Something that I, that I learned that our team did that I didn't know we did is we have a very diverse team. Everybody on the team is at least bilingual, if not multilingual. So a lot of times they'll like, if they see that this person's, that the, 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 SEO managers from Brazil or something like that, and they speak Portuguese, then like we have people from that, uh, from that region on our team and they'll reach out to them in Portuguese and just find like a way to like have those people take their guard down a little bit. Or if like either they, we have mutual connections, we'll reference that or something like that. But a way for us to kind of reach out to them in a way that's going to take their guard down a little bit, resonate with them a bit more. And also you like utilize keywords that give away our position a little bit. Like we're not just one of these, uh, like these people with these lists that are like reaching out to sell crappy links. Like we focus on B2B, we focus on B2B SaaS. We don't build links on link farms. And a lot of times we'll reach out to somebody and with a very specific sort of proposition. If we know that somebody from the SEO team's gonna, somebody from their SEO team's gonna value a link from a DR80 plus site, we'll reach out with that specific message. Hey, we'll build a link for you on a DR, hey, do you want a link from a, you know, a DR81 plus site or something like that? You know, something that's gonna resonate with these people. And is that in your initial outreach message, you're proposing that you build that link for them as a way to sort of get your foot in the door? If that's, yeah, if it's really any person that you reach out to, we don't reach out to any two people the same. For every person you reach out to, you have to think about what's going to incentivize them. What does their day look like? What are their metrics? What are their KPIs? Are, are we talking are about being... things aside from money here? Or yeah. do you guys pay for links as well? Yeah, we do pay for links as well. When we also reach out with those specific uh, incentives as well. But, you know, for this particular link that we built, we reached out with a, basically, you know, we, we figure, okay, this is, this is a, you know, this person's on the SEO team. They're tasked with building links in some way. We can get them so that, so that we're building links for them on a regular basis and we're getting links in return for, for our clients. Then, you know, the incentive for them is to, is to have regular links coming in for their projects so that they 
have some job security. Interesting. Okay. And then what sort of percentage of people respond to that initial message? And do you do any follow-ups on LinkedIn? Yeah, we do follow-ups on LinkedIn. I mean, we have pretty high conversions for something like that. I mean, usually as high as like 20%, just kind of depend. We do a lot of outreach. So usually as high as like 20% as we'll get on, on reaching out to these types of people, which in terms of like link building outreach is pretty high these days because it's just gotten so, so spammy, right? For sure. And uh, do the people that you're outreaching to typically respond better to the personalization part, like, you know, speaking Portuguese, or is it really more about the, oh, you can get them a link uh, from another site and that's going to like help them in their their job? Like, which bit's more important? Yeah. I mean, I think that the emotional trigger is more important and it depends on who you're reaching out to. So if it's somebody like that, or if it's somebody where we're just like reaching out with the money aspect or something like that, that's going to be the emotional trigger that I think that's really at the end of the day, that's what, that's what converts. But reaching out in their language or reaching out and referencing, you know, some commonality that you have helps kind of keep their take their guard down so that we can so that they'll actually read the read the message and 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 respond. And on the money side of things, like how do you decide when to offer them another link somewhere else and how do you offer, decide when to go in with the the money option? Yeah, I mean, and that's how we built the Envato link. So I can talk a bit about that. It's the same process finding finding the people. So and again. It's you have to understand what is going to incentivize that particular person. So for the Envato link, we just round up a bunch of, of contributors and a bunch of writers, people who are probably freelance writers making freelance writing wages. You know, I think of people like the digital nomads I met while traveling who are like in the hostel writing the content and stuff like that. An extra thousand dollars to them a month if they're building consistent links is a lot of money, is a good incentive, right? So for somebody like that, we wouldn't reach out ask, uh, asking for a link exchange if that's the route we're taking to get in touch with somebody, if they're, if they're a writer or contributor. We're not going to reach out with a link exchange because they don't really care about links, right? What they care about is stability, right? It's financial stability. So we'll reach out to them and say, because that's if you have to look at each prospect differently for who they are. And so we'll reach out to them and say, how's an extra 200 bucks sound, you know, or was something like that, you know, some sort of approach where we, we use the same sort of like emotional triggers, but they just look differently because that's a different person with a different position. And so are you then offering them like on a one-off basis, like to pay them a fee to include it in an existing article, to write it in a future article, or are you trying to like build a relationship with this contributor where you pay them a fixed fee each month or like, what's the structure of them look like? Yeah. So every person we reach out to, we, we approach them with the prospect of building a long-term relationship. And for each person that we reach out to, that's interesting for different reasons. It's interesting to the, to the freelance writer who's making freelance writing wages because it's an extra thousand or, or more money or more a month. You know, if it's somebody who's writing for a big website like Envato, that site that, that we build a link from, that's very interesting to them because we can build a lot of links on a site like that. And if we're looking for a long-term partnership and they can continually deliver that for us, then that's going to add up for them. And that, adds, that suddenly adds a lot of stability for that person and their life. So, but we do the same thing with everybody we reach out to. We approach it with this is going to be a long term relationship and long term partnership. And since that we're so specialized in B2B and, and web tech and SaaS, then we can continually utilize these relationships. I've heard you talk as well about this concept of kind of like trading up links to get to the, uh, the, the, the big sites. Can you tell me a little bit more about your process there? Yeah. Since we're so specialized, we've always wanted to 
be able to offer the best possible links within the B2B, B2B tech space. That's really what we wanted to do. So as we've built better and better relationships, you can leverage those relationships to get better and better links. We will, once we, if we get a really good opportunity and we kind of have that relationship built so we can go back to it and, and continuously build links on it, then we will reach out to another website that we really want to get a link from. Think of the best possible sites to get links on and tech, for example. Then we can reach out to somebody using the same sort of method. But if it's a, if it's a link exchange, then we can just leverage the last relationship we made to reach out to this next person say, hey, we'll build a link for your website on this side if you build a link for us. And it's sort of like trading up to get better and better opportunities. So we will approach those people and we'll approach those people with a specific, we'll already run their backlink profile. We'll see which links that we have access to that they don't have access to. We'll try to, again, try to get that emotional trigger. So we'll say, we um, will offer them a link that's at least the same DR as their site, if not higher. And we'll say, hey, if you build a link for us, we'll build a link for you, for you on this website. So it's sort of like that the same thing, but we're, we're constantly trying to... And since we're so vertical and since we're so specialized, we all of our effort is to building the best result or better, the building the best relationships and getting the best opportunities in this particular niche. Sounds like quite a lot of work to do that just for one prospect. You mentioned you had sort of like 20% success rate or response rate with that. How long are you spending to do one do outreach to one recipient yeah the team is really really scrappy and we approach process we approach outreach on two different levels so we do we have ongoing campaigns across the company since we are so specialized and in, and in, in sort of the SaaS space and the b2b space we're always doing outreach for to to get in touch with with websites um that are in this space, even if we don't plan on using them right now. So there's always campaigns going on to try to reach out to these people. But we also do fresh outreach for every single project we take on. So every project we take on, we are we're doing prospecting, we're building an outreach list specifically for the project and we're reaching out to those people. So like the OptiMuck link that we built for you, example, for example, that was one that we got just from this particular campaign. It's because the person who is reaching, who is working on your campaign, again, is Hungarian. That OptiMuck is based in Hungary. And so she, you know, she reached out in Hungarian to these people and like made that connection and offered them a link and got that link for you guys just, just right there. And that was a really quick turnaround. Can you give yeah. us an idea specifically what the communication back and forth looks looks like for that i mean you know not not obviously the hungarian version but like <laughs> was it as simple as like in hungarian hey i'm hungarian do you want a link from here we'll give you a link from there and they're like yeah okay or is there a little bit more to it than that the outreach the account manager that was working on your project found that opportunity she went to the person on linkedin who she thought was the best contact for it she reached out to them in hungarian and said basically like hey do you want a link from this particular website if so we have an opportunity for you that wasn't the right person but they did direct her to the right person and, and i think that that's kind of where like it's hard to say like you know build a team that's that's multilingual because it will help you but it's like that is where you know finding a way to reach out to them in a way that kind of takes their guard down in a way that's personal and that's why linkedin's so good because you it gives you so much information but i don't think that would have happened if she hadn't taken if she hadn't taken an approach that would have kind of lowered their guard a little bit but what they did was they're like hey that's not me but i will direct you to this person and that person 
really wanted to be able to show their boss that they earned a DR80 plus link. And so they built that for us and we built it for you. And where was that DR80 link that you're getting them coming from? Was that another guest post elsewhere or what's the strategy there? I don't know the exact website she used, but it was a really, really good website that we knew that it was going to be interesting to them. We knew that they didn't have a link for them already. And I think it was an editorial type link. So they went and made an edit on the article. It's interesting. So I guess it's like you reach this critical mass and that's maybe part of the reason why I guess you specialize in, in that one space. But when you have all these different relationships, it's very easy to then have stuff to offer people. And I think that unless you're offering money, which you know a lot of people do as well, it can sometimes be difficult to offer value in a, an outreach message, a cold outreach message. And, and that's why you know a lot of people have a pretty low success rate. And another thing that we do, and I think Sebastian will talk a little bit about our team structure later on, but what we do is we segment people by niche. So the people who work in cybersecurity just kind of focus on cybersecurity. The people who work in HR tech just kind of focus on HR tech. The people who focus on you know MarTech just focus on MarTech. So what that does is it gives us a couple of different angles. The team is very familiar with what types of content earn links easier in that space. They know the opportunities that they can use to leverage other links. So she knew that Optimunk was going to be interested in that particular link just because she's familiar with that space. It just allows us to kind of to get familiar with the opportunities in that particular space. And us being so specialized helps a lot because, again, all the outreach we do is built around building relationships in this particular space. If we were like one of those generalist link building agencies that work in like consumer products and, and just jewelry and whatever it is, then all the campaigns that they are doing have to be very reactive. But all of our efforts are focused on building the best relationships in this particular space. And that's why we have so much success with it. Do you think there's a risk with uh, paying people, paying contributors for links? Like if that gets out, like they may go back and kick out all the, the links you built using them before. Is there, is there a kind of single point of failure there maybe? Yeah, I mean, the good thing about the the process that we take is the quality of the websites themselves sort of speak for themselves. So all these websites, like, yeah, maybe, maybe a contributor would be, could be kicked out of the team or something like that, but we're constantly making different connections with different people in these companies. And all of these, we're not asking these people to link to like irrelevant sales landing page content. I mean, the, our clients have stellar content and we put that, I mean, this is stuff that they would link to anyway, and it's, it's highly relevant. And all the links we build are, are passing through their editorial process. All these websites have very strong editorial standards. So the links we build are passing through these editorial standards. They're natural with natural relevant anchor text. We're not asking people to really do anything shady here. Like I think that we find knowledge gaps in their content. We fill them with our, with our clients, really good content. And so it makes sense anyways, but we are sort of giving them that push. Yeah, you, you kind of had this movement many years ago in the, the industry where a lot of people were paying interns 50 bucks uh, at Forbes and sites like this to link to casino sites or CBD sites. And I guess, okay, paying someone for a link, paying someone for a link, but it just stands out a mile away when it's a business article linking to a best CBD sales page or something. Whereas what you're doing is, unless you knew that that was specifically monetized, it would just fit in almost perfectly in the page Anyway. Exactly. I mean, that's why we have our clients kind of keep an open mind on, on what we allow and what we want them to build links to. Every project that we take on goes through the intake, goes through our intake process. And they can kind of tell us like these are our priority pages and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we want flexibility because if you want links from a really, really solid website, and to be honest, we built links on even 
better websites than we built for you recently. We build links on really, really good sites. If you want links from these sites, kind of have to relinquish a little bit of control. You can't say, okay, we only want this anchor text, you know, to this specific landing page because going to an editor at a really big website like that, like they're just, they care about the end reader. So you have to have some flexibility with that. So that's what, yeah, the links that we build really, we're not doing, we think that we're adding a lot of value to the readership. We're just sort of boosting the process a bit. Do you have any insight as to the internal workings of what goes on in these big companies? Because we said earlier, they're getting pitched probably dozens of times per day by, you know, mass outreach. Hey, can I buy a guest post type shit? And everyone's a little bit numb to it. What actually goes on in, in the company? Does the SEO person say to say to the editor, hey, we, we want to give a link out? And they're like, well, why would we give a link out? And then they have to have that discussion around SEO value and all that stuff. Or what's, is there a lot of friction in that process? I guess is what I'm asking. The way that we build links, and I think what we try to do is reach out to people who have the editorial access themselves. Not so much a writer, but like an editor? Or? It can be a writer if the writer has access to their articles, which a lot of times they do. So really, we try to keep it so it doesn't have to pass through a lot of hands. It kind of, you know, the, we, we try to reach out to decision makers in some capacity. Like writers not going to have access to all the content on the website, but they will have access usually to their content. That's usually how, that's how we've seen it work on these bigger websites. So we're trying to reach out to people. So we'll reach out to writers. They'll be like, Hey, I do have access to some of these pages, not other pages because they're only given access to their own pages. We try to reach out to people who have some level. And that's why we try to do a lot of outreach to, to a lot of different contributors for these websites so that we can ha- kind of have a lot of different angles with it. So it, we are, we try to reach out to people who are able to make decisions around this. Okay, so you're doing a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. How do you actually keep on top of where each relationship's at and how do you manage your, do you have a CRM system for that? We have, we use Airtable for that system. All of the, all of our relationships, our, our whole, our relationship database is in, is in Airtable. The team plans out all their links every month in Airtable. It has an internal blacklist system. Sebastian has built like an incredible automation system within Airtable. It has an internal blacklist system so that if a account manager is planning a link, it will tell you if that website already has a link from that source or not. They'll be able to kind of keep track of where that relationship is. We do that on both a project basis and like a company-wide basis so that everybody kind of knows what the last communication with that, with that contact looked like. So Sebastian, what's the advantage of using Airtable over Buzzstream or Pitchbox or, or one of these? Or I, I guess those two don't integrate very well with, with LinkedIn. I think it's flexibility. Airtable is pretty much a smart spreadsheet underlying database. It's, you can tailor it to what you need. And since I'm a big of a nerd in, in that space, I just build exactly what we needed. You can build integrations to Ahrefs, to anything you want, pretty much, using Zapier or Make or any of these automation tools. It just offers you a lot of flexibility to tailor your process to the most optimal version. And we keep iterating, right? It's not like we, we've built the perfect system. It's, it's a constant process of seeing what works, seeing where things maybe take too much time, where stuff can automate, uh, can be automated, and then keep iterating until it works for us. And so when someone's using this, do they need to go in and sort of update what's been said or the relationship stage or the actions that have been done? Or does it pick that up automatically? Or what's the use case? 
No, that is still manual. So they will update the, the status of the relationship, right? If they reached out, how many messages they sent and, and whatnot. The, the sending happens in other tools. We use Mailshake, for instance, um, but you can use any tool you want. But the stage of the relationship is still manual. So it's not completely automated. And I'm also not sure if that would make sense to automate everything because you want some kind of quality assurance and human touch uh, to these, uh, these connections. So it's good that everyone is on top of their own project and uh, manages that in a semi-automated basis, I would say. And you guys talked about LinkedIn, but also using some of these outreach tools like like Mailshake. So what percentage of links do you build or what percentage of outreach is done through LinkedIn and what percentage is done through email? I think it depends on the, the how we're doing the outreach and what capacity. So the for the uh, if we're doing outreach as a company as a whole, just kind of expand all of our relationships for, for, for all the projects we're working on, that's going to be done through Mailshake. For the more individual project outreach, we use more LinkedIn for that. We also use email for that as well, but that's where we use mostly LinkedIn. And what are your thoughts these days on tools like Hunter and uh, Snowvio and which one's, which one's the best? I think we're using Snowvio more than Hunter these days. But to be honest, they're both good. We haven't benchmarked them in a while. They just do their job well. And we use both. If one doesn't find an email, we use the other to see if that tool finds it. So it's not really about which tool you use. Use a combination of tools that make it work. And then, to be honest, I'm not a huge fan. And I always fall into that trap as well to look for the best tool that does the job. Usually it's not down to the tools. Find something that works and go with it. The big wins are usually in a different place. It's not in the tool itself, unless it's like a game changer, which seldomly happens. Yeah, we, we used Hunter primarily for a number of years because when we initially tested it, it was, it was a lot better. We found Snowvio was getting a lot of like not so good or just like not valid emails. But I agree with you, like in the last couple of years, it's, it's gotten way better. It's definitely on par. And I think in some use cases, especially for like sniper type outreach with the the kind of contact databases that they have and everyone that pulls in everyone's job titles and stuff. It's like, it's sometimes better. So we're using it as like the first port of call for, for this type of outreach ourselves. So that's been, been an interesting sort of development in that space. But I want to sort of circle back because I mean, you guys have been going for, was it seven or eight years now? You've been building links now? Um, Six years. So you've created this pretty impressive link building team, link building machine. And I want to sort of, take the perspective of someone listening to this show right now, website owner in the B2B space, let's say, if they didn't have a team like that, but wanted to start building all that infrastructure, getting people on board, how would they go about it? Or how should they go about it starting today? Yeah, that's an, a tough question. But I think if you are a website owner, you already have a major benefit over, let's say, an agency, right? Because you, you're already quite focused on a niche. So you have all the synergies that Eric talked about, they're already in place. So you have hopefully a well-defined space you operate in, you can build relationships and they will all build synergies. So the, the more you do, the better it will get, right? So that's already a great foundation. But then I can just share how we started out and it's very much the authority hacker approach, right? We, in the early days, we had SOPs, templates for everything. And it was like this factory lineup where each person had a very specific task and that worked quite well. The only thing that we 
learned is it's not sustainable in the long term and it will not provide that last 10 or 20% of quality that we need. But it's great to start out, especially if you're time constrained, uh, you don't have the, the energy or the resources to fully focus on it. By all means, I mean, you have amazing templates. I don't have to tell your audience what they can find in Authority Hacker Pro and, and tasks, right? There, there are a lot of great templates there that you can just take and use. So start there. That's great. If I wanted to build a more sustainable long-term business and link building is the core, I would probably start by spending a lot of time with one person teaching them everything I know. Because one thing that we've learned is it's much better to have someone who is like a real expert in investing time in that person that then can train everybody else than using templates and kind of stepping back immediately. Sometimes you don't have the luxury and that's why templates are great. But if you have the time, I would always recommend hire one good person that has the basic skills you need. In our case, that is someone who is very structured, very detail-oriented, can self-manage really well, has, is interested in learning and a bunch of other values uh, we, we look for, and then teach them everything um, you, you know. That will require some time, but the initial investment is totally worth it and will pay off in the long run. And you sort of talked about this from the perspective of a, a site owner. I just want to take a little sidetrack because you guys are agency. You guys are an agency, and we do have a number of people who run agencies or provide link building services listen to the show as well. So, what are some of the challenges that that you face in in that position? I mean, are are you always outreaching as yourselves, the agency, or do you have to kind of interact with the client and outreach as them, or how, how does that work? We used to go that route where we would need the email infrastructure from the client. And honestly, it was a major pain. And we did that because we, we were doing other types of outreach as well. We were doing Harrow and stuff, but we would need their, need their email infrastructure. And it was just, it was kind of a pain to manage. But since we, for the type of outreach we do, we, we reach out as ourselves. We reach out as default.io. So it will be, you know, we'll reach out uh, and make that sort of connection. And that's why we, we approach this with more of a long-term partnership uh, in mind. You know, we, we approach these people, you know, incentivize them in a way that makes sense for them with the long-term relationship in mind. So that's why, that's why it doesn't really matter if we reach out as dofall.io or as a client. It actually makes more sense for us to reach out as ourselves. And then we can also, it allows us to kind of build other opportunities as well, network with other agencies and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think just to jump in here, I think it's very important to understand that, like Eric said, I think we see ourselves more as a networking agency in that sense, because all we do is build relationships and all of that gets easier with great quality. Right? That's why we focus so much on, on amazing qual content quality. We focus on really being in the top 10% of what's out there and we educate our clients around that. So if you're a site owner, Everything gets easier when you really build an amazing site, great content. It will make the whole process, the whole value chain a lot easier for yourself. There's been a lot of sort of guest post farms in the last few years that, that I've seen. And a few years ago, they used to be really easy. You could spot them a mile off, but they've gotten better and better. And I'm, I'm seeing like people picking up SaaS tools that have like gone out of business and turning them into guest post farms and stuff like that. Do you, do you see much of that? I know you're kind of working at the premium end, but do you see much of that? And is it something you've got to kind of keep an eye out for? It's pretty easy to spot still just because everybody in our team have just looked at thousands and thousands of websites. And a lot of people 
who are doing stuff like that just don't really have the same editorial integrity and, and the same uh, as as a website that really cares about the content that they're producing. So, I mean, the first thing that we look at is like, well, first of all, it's like the spell test. Like you can, you, you just, it's like, you know, it when you see it, that you go to a website, you look at the content and it just looks off or they're using the same design as a hundred other tools or something like that. But if they have, if they're mindful about the design, they're mindful if they actually have an actual business model behind the website, it's not just like a content led website. You know, if they actually have like a, a tool that they are selling or a product that they're selling, that's kind of like one of the first things we look for. Like, does this website make, is it a policy of this website to sell links? Or is it, that's why if we reach out, that's why if, if a website has something like that, like a submit a guest post and then they have like, I think you've probably seen it before, like search parameters for guest post keywords and that, that submit a post type thing. If they have stuff like that where it, it's sort of, you can tell that they, that it's a policy of the website to sell links, then we don't touch it. If they make it easy for other people to find, then exactly. lots of people are going to be doing yeah. it. So yeah. it's like, okay, then it's like, well, then they're selling links as like a part of their business model. Then we won't touch it. That's why it's really important to us, you know, to connect with contributors and editors and authors for these websites because these are people who actually have the best interest of the website in their mind. So that's kind of the first things we lo- we're looking for: is is there an actual business model behind this website? Does it have meaningful traffic? Like, is it that is a ranking for keywords that are relevant to our to our client? Are they getting traffic to those keywords? Is the content well thought out? Um, you know, did they actually have a real product here with real reviews, you know, actual team kind of built around, around the product as well, like developers and stuff like that. That's all stuff you can check in LinkedIn. So, you know, we are, we do our due diligence with all this stuff. That's why, you know, we're not the type of agency that's going to build 50 links free in a month. We're going to build a, a smaller amount of really, really high quality links. And that's because we put a lot of effort into these, into this work. We do a lot of due diligence. We reach out to these people in a really meaningful way. We hustle a lot to get these links. So that's why we view ourselves as more of a, a, a boutique option. Yeah, how big's your team these days? We're 16, going to be 17 in two weeks, probably 20 end of the year. Where are you, not not specifically which country, but is there any like jobs boards or places you go to when you need to hire a new link builder? And are you looking for people with experience or do you bring in people that haven't done link building and train them up on it? Yeah, so we are experimenting actually with which job boards to use. We work remotely a lot since we are fully remote and we get a lot of a lot of applications, like five, 600 per job ad. So there's a lot of inbound. What we look for specifically, we don't necessarily look for past experience, especially not in the link building space, but we look for certain like experience that will tell us that they will do a good job. For instance, we have people who have been executive assistants before, right? That tells us they they managed very like stressful situations. They're very structured. Right? There's just a lot of like basic stuff that's already there that will then help us to train them quickly. But usually we don't hire anyone with prior expertise. I think we're going to hire our first person who's actually who's been a link builder before. So it's like the first hire in like six years uh, that has been a link builder. But it's not necessary. We focus more on on other values and other other soft skills and culture fit. Because the rest we can train. And are you still training people up or do the people that you've trained then train these people and so on? Yeah, I don't do any any training. Eric doesn't do any training as well. So that goes back to what I said earlier. We realized that in order to scale and with the type of link building we do, you cannot template things. You cannot 
it's not just easy to teach in like half an hour. We need someone to do this for like a month or two. So the training process is a lot of shadowing. For the first month, we start out with like company values. What do we focus on? What is valued here? Kind of the, the high level setting. Then we go into what is link building because they probably don't know. We show them high level stuff, high level strategies, the tools we use, the processes we use. And that's usually takes, takes a month of like daily training and just shadowing an experienced person. That's usually our HR manager who handles the training. And then after that, we've actually changed our training structure. Before we did three-month training, before they actually jumped into like building links for, for clients. Now it's just a month. And in month two, they will get their first client. They will actively start building links. But what we do is we have a tutoring system. That means someone else from the team, not the, the person that trained them in the beginning, but someone else will always monitor and shadow them and will always be their point of contact for that month. So we can assure quality, but they will learn the small little details because everyone does things slightly differently since we're not template-based. Everyone has their own techniques. And by being shadowed and shadowing other people on the team, they will learn all the different skills from everyone else. So we have that knowledge sharing built in, which is super helpful. As an agency then, how do you go about getting new clients? Because I know there's a, there's a lot of people listening to the, this that provide link building services, and I'm sure they'd love to know some good tactics and strategies for that. Yeah, that is probably the, the area where we're working on the most these days. Acquiring clients, we're testing different channels. A lot of sponsoring that we're doing in, in different places, talking to influencers like yourself, but also others in the space who have an audience who will value that will value um, high quality link building. So we, we building again relationships. It all comes down to relationships and see what we can do on that front. We did a lot of cold outreach, which worked okay, but uh, wasn't that great because you never really know where someone is in the in the bias journey if they actually need it. So um, we focus more on demand generation, meaning we go to into communities where we know okay they will value what we have to offer. And then people will self-select based on how we communicate. So hopefully what we're doing here, that will resonate with someone and they, they will feel like, okay, I have a similar mindset. We think the same about links. That might be a first touch point, right? And I think that is a much more natural way of, of building like a sales pipeline or doing marketing because it's, we're not pushing things onto people. We just state what we believe in, how we think about link building, what we think a, a quality link looks like. And then people can make their own decision. And that's, that's kind of the relationship we want, right? We, we also don't have contracts. We don't lock anyone in. It's kind of, you want to work with us? Cool. That is on a, like, you're free to choose, but as long as you want to stay, we're happy to work with you, but we will not lock you in or force you to, to stick around if you feel like this is not benefiting you. So it's kind of a, a value and mindset thing we, we are trying, and it feels good to us. I think that's the most important thing. We've shifted a lot from, from sending sort of like the emails you know, sending one email to try to land one client sort of approach to, you know, trying to build relationships where we can send one email and build a really big relationship. So, you know, instead of like sending one client to one company and like not getting a response or, or, or you know, maybe you signed one client from it, you know, recently we've, so recently we, for example, we, we built a relationship with a VC firm that only invests in B2B SaaS companies and we're like their 
approved vendor we're on their vendor page etc so it's like you know we built that one relationship but there's 400 companies in, in that portfolio so it's we, we try to send high impact emails instead of like you know just trying to get the the one client type type approach how are you guys if if at all using ai in your business these days we are not not really anyway i think ai is well at least in our case a little bit overrated i, I think it's ai actually helps us that's kind of how i see the whole space because Right now, AI is specifically focused on content generation, right? Generative uh, AI. It will make content very cheap and it will produce a lot of content. So we have, we don't actually have, we have the opposite of scarcity in, in that space. So on our end, we're actually benefiting from everyone else using AI. But link building is hyper manual, especially if you want to do the quality assurance and the due diligence that we do. It's actually good not to automate all of this and just have an AI say, is that a good link? We don't trust that. Maybe AI will get there at some point, but right now we are the, we're on the other side of AI. We do things manually because we believe right now the quality at least will be better than just automating stuff. And I'm a huge fan of automation, as you know, but not everything needs to be automated and not everything should be automated. So if we use it, then maybe in some kind of small automations, but not to actually assess links or to build links. Do you see a day when... Outreach messages constructed by AI can be on par with what a, a good human link builder can do. Yeah, for sure. I think messaging, like at least the initial messaging, you can probably automate. And a lot are doing that already. If you feed the machine with enough information, you could probably do that. The thing is, you still want to build a relationship. So yes, you could maybe streamline the initial message. Sure. But you want to talk to a human being and they want to know that you're actually a human being on the other side. So we are a networking business. You don't want to network with a machine, at least not yet, right? So at least that's, that's kind of the, the mindset I think we have, that human connection. And th that ties into everything we do. It's like we, we give the whole team so much ownership, how they approach link building. So they can reach out in their own language. They can find unique approaches. A machine could replicate that maybe to some extent, but that human angle still not there. So, and that's a good thing, I would say. Okay. So if folks want to get in touch with you guys, if they want links like this, first of all, what type of people, what type of sites do you work with and what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, we work mostly in the B to B B to B SaaS space. So, but any really anything that within the web tech, well, at least we can at least consider. So, I would say that if you're if you're not sure that you'd be a good fit, reach out and we'll at least have a look and have a uh, and have a have a conversation. Also, people who have uh, good content creation processes in place and stuff like that, especially you know, because they can kind of and, and they're willing to create content that we can work with. We can at least have a conversation. But our specialty is B two B B two B SaaS. But also like HR, right? Job boards, education, like online course sites, stuff like that. So HR, tech, marketing, and education. I think that space is is perfect for us. And your website's uh, dofollow.io. Yes. Yes. Have you thought about getting the .com for that or is it not available? We've reached out before. Painful. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we could have bought it initially when we first started this, but Sebastian and I were, we didn't have the funds at the time. So it's been bought and 5X in price since then. So beginner's mistakes you make. Yeah.
we are fine with the IO. Yeah. Well, Eric, Sebastian, thanks so much for joining us once again on the podcast here. It was really interesting to talk to you guys. As I said, if you guys are interested in learning more about what they do, head on over to dofollow.io and you can find out a little bit more about the types of links they build there. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast or indeed watching us on YouTube, you can find out all the links that they've built for us. We'll put a link in the show notes on authorityhacker.com slash podcast. But that's everything for this week. We'll be back in another couple of weeks uh, and I think Gail will be back for the next one. So see you guys then. Thanks for having us. See ya. See ya.